Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company. And today I'm so excited to be talking about the fantastic series Taskmaster with hosts Greg Davies and Alex Horn. And Alex, I wanted to start with you in terms of talking about kind of the, the observational quality of, of being the Taskmaster's assistant when you're recording with the contestants, because what's what's brilliant is you kind of have to have this poker game face a lot of the time. And yet you also find those moments where you allow that wall to break, whether it's through conversation that you're having while they're doing uh, a task, whether you're getting involved and being utilized, or whether it's just the fact that they fully break you into laughter. And I was interested in kind of how you find the balance between those two spaces when you're filming. Good question, Mara. I think I used to think about that a lot. And it used to be quite deliberate. And I used to be stony faced and think that was really important. And then I realized that actually probably is my personality anyway. And and people, I think people told me that they liked it when I laughed and I hadn't thought about it. But I definitely sort of opened myself to the idea that it's fine if I find things funny to laugh and mm. and to break character. So now, you know, we're a lot of series in. I genuinely don't think about it at all. I'm just, I just um I just watch what happens and react accordingly and just enjoy. I mean, I maybe it's because I do it all the time, this role. So it's not hard to inhabit the character. But um, yeah, it's just me, really. I just watch it and I'm a bit snarky. And then when something funny happens, I laugh. So that's, yeah, it's not a very deliberate thing anymore. And and for you, Greg, in a, in a similar scope as as the Taskmaster, you have to allow your persona to have a lot of ego and confidence, but then also to have humility and be relatable. So like during the the pineapple task this season, where you're going, oh, the man is good, and you're talking about yourself, but you're also making fun of yourself in that moment. Um, I was interested in how you kind of find the balance between those two spaces as the Taskmaster. I think the answer to that question lies in the fact that I used to be a teacher for a long time before I got into this silly business. And I think that in um, teaching as a survival strategy, you have to, um, you have to develop um, a, a, a pantomime authority. And, and I think that's why this, perhaps why Alex thought of me for the role in that that has become part of my personality is this sort of bombastic um, <clears throat> pantomime authority. But uh, but undercutting that, pulling the rug out from that is very easy because, of course, that's not at all who I am. I, I don't feel in life that I have any sense of uh, natural authority or control over my life. So I, I, think, uh, I, I think it's honestly just me uh, you know i do i i i have got a part of me that wants to be in charge and and is capable of um it, it, i'm capable of leaning on that side of my character but, but there's a there's a river of a, there's a mess of a man beneath it uh, i would and, say so, sorry to interrupt greg no it, it's just not it's not difficult to to let that guy bubble up and, and i also think uh, objectively you know when i thought about the job you know it's it's pretty obvious that if i was just a tyrant all the time that it it, it would be a bit one note and um and, and a bit tedious you know sorry this is probably longer than you thought i i also think that you need to let let the contestants uh, sense of fun and cheekiness come out so if if i was just some monstrous tyrant um it it probably would shut things down anyway so that's my long-winded answer i was just going to say the formality of both situations in the studio and in the house means that 
all these stupid things happen. And it, it's kind of funny. You know, I'm in a suit. He's in a suit. For no reason, we're on thrones. So it's easy to... Anything we break within that is great, I think. But, yeah, it's such a ludicrous situation. But but I I, I also think the laws of the show uh, uh, help us out in that regard as well. And I, I can never lose. It's not possible. doesn't matter how clever or... Uh, defiant someone is the laws of the show dictate that I am all powerful and and it, it sort of can't be broken but it, the show doesn't allow for it because Alex brought up the thrones I actually wanted to ask you about the initial design of that when the show first came together because there's obviously the ongoing joke of of you being little Alex Horn but you're six foot two and Greg is six foot eight and so arguably everyone is little to Greg, but yet it's this ongoing gag throughout the series. And even if you look at the chairs, the way that they're designed is to, is to make Alex look much smaller and to make you look more gargantuan. So I was just interested in how like that production design element really lent into the visual aspect of this being an ongoing joke throughout the show. Yeah, I would say the joke came later and I don't know where it came from either. There wasn't a, a meeting where Greg said, I'm going to call you little from now on. I, I would love to know when you first said that. I reckon it wasn't for a couple of Well, I of think it was very quickly. Uh, I, I don't know which series, but but I think I was very aware of the the proposed dynamic, which is I'm nominally an authority figure, uh, and then the the way that we found our way through it. And, and I think it's interesting that when we did the pilot of the show, the non-TX pilot of the show, I, I went too far. Uh, and was too authoritarian, and and there were a couple of moments of actual conflict with, <laughs> within the room when I, you know, pissed people off by being too snarky. So, so I think that the dynamic uh, has has found itself, uh, but it found itself quite quickly with Alex and I, and we'd never worked together before. But I, I, I think we found a good balance quickly, and um, we've both got a sense of silliness that I think stops it. You, you know, it's it's consciously pantomime. It's uh, ridiculous. But but I also, as soon as I sit on that throne, I am irritated by him. I do think he's small, and I do want to be in charge. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our corrupt Smara. I think the throne choice was yeah. We just thought it's funny to always make it just slightly different. And every every image we have, we always make sure, and every press image, we just make sure the size difference is exaggerated just a little bit, not too much, but it's, it's got to be exaggerated. But I mean, he is half a foot taller than me. There's a lot, there's a lot of you. I it's, love the, the pomp to it, you know, the, the sort of tongue in cheek pomposity and sort of sense of, you know, the, the borrowing of sort of almost Royal iconography. I, I, I find, you know, hilarious for, for a show that is essentially just ridiculous. And I also wanted to ask you both about the the weight of studio segments when you have tasks that aren't going as planned, because obviously there's a different pressure when you're in the studio because you can't re-record it. You can't choose a different array of tasks that you're going to utilize in an episode in advance. Um, and I think it was episode six this season where the prize task you described as the most disappointing array of prizes that people had ever bought in. And then immediately following that, you have the the robot vacuum segment, which obviously was, was not quite executed as intended in the moment as well. And so how does that change the dynamic of, of what you feel like you need to create? in the studio interactions to really levitate those moments if the task isn't fulfilling as you anticipated? I don't think we worry, um, <laughs> to be honest. I think we quite, when something goes wrong, we really embrace it. And Greg can have a massive go at me for, you know, it's my fault, which is funny. Um, and 
you know, the whole show is built on failure. I think the people who fail in the tasks are the ones who people like the most. So I think we just embrace it if it goes wrong. I don't think we feel the weight on our shoulders of oh we've got to be really funny now. Not remotely, and and I think it just takes us it just takes us in a certain direction of conversation if something's gone badly or you know even even when we've done tasks that are you know some of the studio tasks not many but you know some of them I, I think it wouldn't be unfair to say were, were largely failures. And uh, and I always find that absolutely hilarious. And um, admitting their failures is great because you sometimes watch another show and think, well, that didn't really work. But you, but, the, but everyone's clapping and going mad. But I there's think never, there, there's work. never a pressure on either of us to to smooth over the cracks. And I no. think that feels quite freeing in our job. I'd actually we, say we don't need to pretend. No, it, it's a bigger problem when five people bring in amazing things for the prize and no one does something bad. And then Greg goes, well, what do I do now? I need, I, I need some something to rub off. So, um, yeah, it's better when people are worse. And I, I had the chance to come to one of the tapings for the season earlier this year, and I was so impressed by the, the dynamic between setups. So when the camera crew are resetting, the way that you're both kind of sitting there studiously going over your notes, kind of like practicing for the next segment that's happening. At the same time, you're kind of working in tandem with the warm-up comedian to really engage the studio audience. You're also chatting with the contestants. Um, and so I was just interested in kind of like how that dynamic really shapes itself, because I imagine it's a little bit different season to season, depending on what the contestants need from you what's happening in that live segment in the moment in the studio as well well i'll answer that and alex can sort of confirm it i i, I the, the team behind the show are, are brilliant and uh you know alex's design of the show is uh brilliant as well so it, it it's a pretty tightly run uh, an efficient thing and you know, if you ever see me doing something that looks official on stage, I'm largely leaning over to Alex and going, "What's happening next?" Um, because he he genuinely is he, he is genuinely on, on top of things, whereas I'm too busy being a show pony. Yeah, I don't think that's completely true. In that, I think you Greg has quite a lot to do in the show. In part from being funny, as in the running of the show is all on his shoulders. Um, but, the, yes. but what behind the scenes, my point is, behind yeah. the scenes, it's meticulously organised and uh, the, the team are on top of everything. And a thing I love, the team take everything seriously. So if there's a contentious um, point scoring thing or, or we need to get some VT to make sure that someone got a bloody orange over a line uh, correctly – uh, then that VT is looked at, and we're given that information. So we play it, we play it like it matters. Yeah, I would say as well that because the audience now knows the show and the contestants know the show, there's always a really nice atmosphere in the room, and it's just really enjoyable to to do it. And I always know what's around the corner. I know what's coming up next, and um, tend to be pretty excited by it. So it's not a hard job in the in the studio to keep it, people's attention up it doesn't feel like it's not a it's not a tough record it's one it's, of the few t- i i just think it's uh fun it, it's genuinely fun it's exhausting fun i mean i'm absolutely battered at the end of the week and alex is to to a lesser extent because he's physically fitter than me but i i feel it at, at the end of the week but it's yeah, no, uh, we all do we all do but in it, the in the room it feels in great. the moment it's just such fun yeah 
And you mentioned, obviously, at this point, people are very familiar with the show. And so you also have contestants that come in being really familiar with the show. Um, For example, I think Sam this season was already a huge fan of the show and had watched a lot of it. Um, And I was interested for both of you in kind of how you think that helps and hinders people when they come onto the show, because it gives them a sense of what they might potentially expect or kind of how to think about some of the tasks they're given. But then it might also lock them into a certain way of thinking at the same time. Yeah, I think we both agree that Great to have one person like that, but really great to have someone like Julian Cleary, who didn't know who I was, didn't really know the show, and didn't give, I don't know if we're allowed to swear, but he didn't really give a uh, give a damn about the process. So I, I think just having the mixture is great, because you're right, if you if you worry too much about how you're going to find the lateral way around something, you'll get locked in a weird place headwise. So I, I love it when people don't have a clue about the show and are, and are surprised by all our eccentricities. I, I think it's uh, it's very rare that the, the 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 person who scores the best on Taskmaster is necessarily the the person that the public remember the most. So I, I'm uh, I, I enjoy the abject failure more than I do someone showing that they're brilliant at lateral thinking. But but without without that person, without there being someone who really wants to prove that they are really good at solving pointless tasks and that they're one step ahead of Alex in the way he's designed it without that then we just have chaos so I think yeah I'm repeating what Alex said basically that having a mix of approaches is always good but I love I personally delight in the people who are terrible uh, who are just not equipped to do well that they're the people that I uh clap my hands with glee while I'm watching them and, and Alex, when it comes to designing the tasks, um, I wanted to just ask a little bit about what that conceptualization looks like for you, because there's certain things that kind of carry through thematically season to season. So it's like, you know, there's always going to be a couple of food-based tasks. There's going to mm. be, you know, some sort of portrait or art-based tasks each season. Um, and so how do you kind of sit there and ideate, okay, what are some of the themes that seem to work really well to find new angles on? And then where are the spaces where we want to design and try to create something completely new and different? Yeah, it's definitely not thought through in a methodical way. So there's no lists of, um, in my head, there's two types of tasks. There's uh, a sort of race one, which you either win by being fastest or biggest or smallest, or there's the um, art or creative type ones, which Greg is going to judge. And that's it. And so you're right, there definitely are themes, but I really try to not have that in my head at all. So I just go for long walks or baths or drives and just think, oh, what would be funny? And I re- and just try to hope that we're not treading over old ground. And yeah, food is difficult. I think I'm always trying to grab stuff that is accessible to anyone at home. So it's not, it doesn't put you off because it's some weird bit of equipment that no one else could afford. So it, I guess food is always funny. And, but, and nowadays we're really conscious about food waste, obviously. Uh, so that's probably helpful. It means I have to, to be more imaginative but yeah and like portraits i think it's always funny if they have to paint greg so it's then finding ways around that um yeah we always want to do different things every single show um but i guess there are limited numbers of arenas that we can compete in but what i would say is i'm so pleased and happy when i think of something that was not done anything like it before and that moment of inspiration it will hit you at any moment. And it's like Greg writing a joke. You just don't know when it's going to come. You don't sit down and think, well, I've done that sort of joke before. You'll just suddenly have a new flash of inspiration. 
But yeah, there's no lists and there's no plan. It's just I don't, uh, I don't think head. Alex um, thanks me whenever I reveal this in any interview. But I will. I know you're going to say yeah it, that he makes all of the tasks up while sitting in a hot tub. Yeah, most. Yeah, I do. I I find it really freeing. But I wear. I I think you've said I'm naked before, but that's not true because we've now got a security oh, camera. I, I was. I, 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 I'm not in a position to confirm or or, or deny that, but. My gut, it, my gut instinct is you're naked. Mara, what happens is is that I, I can't have my phone in there in case I drop it. So, so that's great. So I can't get distracted. But then I have an idea and have to dash out of it to scribble it on a piece of paper. I did have some waterproof notepaper before that Mountaineers use, but it's rubbish. So, yeah, so it's me sitting in a hot tub, jumping in, jumping out for about two hours every night. I, mean, I do marvel at the, 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 his ability to keep churning out tasks that, that confound people. And um, I'm sure when we first started talking about doing the show, there was a suggestion that you know that I could, that I would help um, with coming up with some tasks, but I've just never needed to because his brain is his brain is damaged to the extent that he can just keep churning them out. Oh, and I'm so pleased when there's a good one. Oh, I thought of a really right. good one today. Very and proud. I'm so pleased with myself. Yeah, yeah, really proud. <laughs> And, and Greg, in terms of the the relationship and the dynamic that you end up building with the contestants, I wanted to just ask you about how that really shifts and evolves for you as the season progresses. Because I think I've heard you say that usually around episode six is kind of where they start to really turn on you and they start to push back a lot more. Yeah. Um, and so what does that evolution look like in terms of that dynamic and those conversations in the studio? Well, I, I, I'm all up for a bit of jousting, I, I think. Uh, I, I only find it difficult w- when it's on the very rare occasion when people have got genuinely angry, I, 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 I'm always amazed, but then, you know, if you think about it objectively, they've invested quite a lot of their time in this. And, and, and if they're one of the people who really does want to do well at, at, at the tasks and, and because I score it all genuinely in the moment, you know, there's, I, I often make errors as if you, if you care to look on um, any social media, you'll see people voicing those opinion with, with with a surprising passion but i i do occasionally um, make errors in judgment so um my answer to your question is i love a bit of to and fro and i love the joust and because of the nature of the show i can i can never lose um because my word's final but it, it it's good i it, it's only on the the very very few occasions when i i've seen that someone's <laughs> genuinely annoyed that it's a bit tricky but i i always try and uh, make it fair in the uh i i do genuinely try and score it fairly is what i would say that you know i never i, I never mark someone down to to get a reaction I, i'm always doing what i think in the moment is fair and for you alex we we don't get to see kind of the specific progression in terms of the detail of when they start to turn on you a little bit and start to become resentful at the tasks that you've created for them because we're not seeing them fully in the order that they were filmed um and so what does that look like for you as they start to kind of spend more time with you because you're spending hours upon hours and full days with them when you're filming those back to back um and especially this season with for example with like julian clary and the fact that every single task he seems to just become more and more irritated by you yeah I would say, actually, that starts pretty much from the off, because as soon as they walk into the room, we always start with the same task, which we don't show. We do a warm-up task in the lab, and I'm straight away unhelpful, and they straight away form an opinion of me, and we, we the relationship happens pretty quick and stays the same. But what always happens is that the team day is 
down the line. They don't know when it's going to happen, but there's a team day and they don't know who they're with. But as soon as they're with somebody else, they tend to really show their feelings about me then. When, once they've got a partner and they get, and they realize that they've both been subjected to this, they, they, they let me know at that point, which is probably day four or five and they're six or seven. So, yeah. But when we're back together, I think there is that, oh, what's the syndrome when, when you're, your kidnapper has been looked at. Dot com syndrome. On. Exactly. There's a bit of that. So they do kind of want me to like them, but then they really despise me as, as well. And um, and what what is the warm-up task that you do with everyone? And is it the same one every season? I, I can't tell you. It's the same one every season. And the plan is that one day we'll release this whole tape of every single person doing the same <laughs> thing. But I can't tell you because they don't they can't know. And you know, I can't let it out. But it's good. It's simple, but it just yeah, it, it's worth the, watching the, at some point. The Stockholm syndrome nature of the show, and the, and the um, uh, how we all uh, just for the period of filming exist within the confines of that world endlessly fascinates me. Me included, that I really do feel myself a, a despot, and I really do feel Alex is my uh, is my subservient. Uh, it fascinates me. I, I think that the world is all consuming for the short time we're there. And it is a parallel universe. I find that endlessly fascinating. And I think the contestants would agree that mm. they feel like, well, this is this is how I live now. I also wanted to ask you both about the, the process of reviewing footage from the filmed tasks, because you're obviously looking at those very judiciously and very specifically in terms of setting up what the segments are going to be in the studio when you're filming the conversations after. And there's such an amount of time between filming them and, and that happening. Um, and so I was just interested for both of you in terms of like how you sit there and kind of like study and watch it to find where are going to be the minefields of comedy that you can pull from later. Well, I'm sort of involved in because I've been there. For the tasks then so i'm involved in the edit of them a bit and the director and producer do far more but there's a quite a lot of noting that goes you know four or five different cuts to make sure we hit all the right things and the contrast between you know we, we decide who we should show with whom and making sure there's gaps so people if people laugh they still hear the lines but greg doesn't see an awful lot we used to sh show him everything and we used to meet up and talk about it and write together yeah which he doesn't need anymore and also we realized actually reacting in the room is often the funniest. So yeah, we have it would be it would be ridiculous to suggest I haven't seen some of it but beforehand. I, I have, but uh, but I haven't seen all of it. And I never score if I see something beforehand, I never make notes or score it before. It all happens in the room. It's just so that I've uh, got enough in my adult brain to talk about that I would uh see some vt footage beforehand yeah which means also there's sometimes i need to tell greg there's something happening which you need to pay attention to or yeah. don't miss this bit or yeah yeah but i think that's another thing that works well between us because i know what's i i do score them before in my head i think well that's how this one's going to play out and it's much better having someone watching it afresh and scoring it with how it's gone down in the room rather than the bias that i've got and, and when someone's done something in a task to essentially disqualify them potentially, um, how do you kind of determine where what's the best way to bring that up? Because sometimes when we're watching the first round of footage, we see those mistakes, we see those incidents straight up. And then sometimes you kind of hold it for the comedic gag of like, you know, making them think that they've won and they've gotten points and then disappointing them afterwards. Yeah, it's become quite the format point, the the, the rug pull of failure. And uh, I, I always enjoy it. They don't. But I always love that. And I, I think it's just become a, 
uh, fun little part of the show. Yeah, and it's case by case. Qualification is interest is interesting because sometimes people will do something that's so patently appalling that they probably should be disqualified, um, but will will sometimes exercise a little bit of flexibility. But if someone directly contradicts a rule, then we we try and stick by it. Yeah. So if someone yeah. is told they mustn't step over a line and they do, then we we try and stick with the rules. But it's funny because we're not a sport or a law, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> it's so funny. So you could, you, I think, occasion, very occasionally you've said, I'm going to give you a point anyway, like hardly ever. And well, I funny. stopped it. I, I stopped yeah. it after one series when a bonus point that I gave out made a difference to the. To the whole yeah. series. And people and were furious. I was quite mortified by that, yeah. personally. So I don't give out bonus points anymore. No, no, you're quite right. Yeah. And I remember you, both of you talking previously about just how each season there's such an unexpected and unique dynamic to this group that come together, you know, because mm. some of them have worked together, some of them know each other, and some of them are meeting and getting to know each other for the same time, the same way that the audience are. And especially this season, it's really it's really beautiful to watch the way that they're kind of working together as a team partway through the season now, mm. um, almost at the behest of Greg, such as with the pineapple task, where they were like, what if we just hide them all from him while his eyes are closed? Um, and so what have you found to be the really unique touch points of this particular group of comedians there, they're a warm lot this lot it's it's funny you, like you're right that each one has this peculiar feel to them each series and we kind of forget the previous ones because you move on to the next one but the, yeah those five i mean susan and sue were such buddies immediately and that's really unusual um uh yeah i, I think of this lot as just a really uh quite happy silly gang they- they were they, they were like a, a pre-existing uh, gang quickly and the mutual love and respect was uh, was there for all to see but i i think that would get a bit that would get a bit samey but it's nice to to enjoy a group that gels so well knowing that the next group probably won't and that there'll be characters who clash and yeah you know so, so I, I don't think we're we're in you put five people in that bizarre situation, they're always going to surprise you to some extent. Yeah, and we tend to have some, like an older person, but just because we're trying to reflect all age groups. But yeah, I think having Julian's sardonic angle from the from his um position, and then Sam and Lucy as the little kids, the mad little kids underneath all it's just yeah, it was a really nice mix, like a sort of odd family Christmas affair. It's always fun to catch people at different points in their career as well. When mm. you know some people are well and truly over it, uh, over this uh, silly business, and some people are still incredibly hungry. I think that always yeah. adds to the dynamic. I mean, and, and similarly for both of you, you sometimes have contestants that you've worked with before that you have friendships with, um, such as the fact that like Greg actually went to Russell Howard's wedding and then he was also on the show. Um, and so how does that give you more spaces where you can kind of push their buttons very specifically because of the knowledge that you already have coming into it? Well, I I, I, I think the, uh, um, I did go to Russell's wedding and he is a mate, but he didn't use it as leverage. But um He's too class, classy of an act. But uh, Rod Gilbert, who's a very good friend of mine, used it as massive leverage and uh, and tried to undermine me at every turn. And I found it um, irritating. Yeah, I think I have an easier thing. Because well, I love it. When I've got my friends doing it, I really enjoy it because I don't have to judge them. 
I just can laugh at them. No, so you, can you can carry on just being their silly mate, but when you have yeah, to be exactly. it's a bit odd. Yeah. Yeah. So I get to spend five, six, seven days with my friends doing these fun things. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, Greg has to say, well, no, that was bad. And then they get cross <laughs> with him. Yeah. And they go, shut up. Shut yeah. up. Shut up, person I go to the pub with. Yeah. <laughs> but I've had moments. So when Mark Watson did it, Greg, we made him do something all by himself and he didn't get any points for it. And it taken over six months of his life. And he really looked across the studio at me with sort of longing and anger. That was quite fun. That was the one time I felt like I'd let down a friend. <laughs> but it only lasted two minutes, I think. Well, I have to say that even, even 16 seasons into a show like this, it still not only kind of sustains the quality that you created at the beginning, but continues to exceed and surpass itself. It's such a great season. I can't wait to watch the rest of it. And thank you so much to both of you for talking with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Lovely to talk oh. to you, Mara. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being so nice. That's very nice of you. Very nice of you. To be nice. It was nice of you to be nice. <laughs>